FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 143 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason Venable, and it's the podcast birthday! Yes, that's right. Uh, this episode, we're going to celebrate the third anniversary of the podcast that goes snicked. You know, we're technically a little bit late, but we I'm going to try to get this out in the same month, at least. <laughs> late August instead of the beginning of August, which was when my episode one first came out three years ago. And to celebrate, I wanted to have both of my kind of regular co-host on this episode. That would be, of course, my lovely wife, Denise, and my best friend, Cameron. Uh, Denise does the regular shows with me, and Cameron is a regular flashback co-host. Flashback! Unfortunately, I was not able with schedules to get them both on at the same time together, but I am going to still have them both on. And to, uh, to do it up right for an anniversary episode, we're going to cover the debut of Lady Deathstrike, one of Wolverine's most formidable foes. And really, I mean, on pretty much on the short list of, of arch villains specific to Wolverine. I mean, in the miniseries, he had Lord Shingen. I never can say that right. Uh, Lord Shingen. There you go. And of course, in the Kitty Pride and Wolverine miniseries, he had Ogun. And Deathstrike is kind of his uh, third, really only Wolverine-specific foe. I mean, he's he's had a lot of guys he's fought with the X-Men, obviously, and some pretty big names there. But, you know, he's a pretty rich character, pretty old character by this point, but he hasn't really had his own rogues gallery to speak of yet. And so Deathstrike is kind of kind of the, the first really regular one to pop up. So I thought that would be cool to cover with, with Denise and Cameron. Of course... This is not truly the character's first appearance. Her uh, alias, Yuriko Oyama, appeared in first in a Daredevil 197, which <laughs> ironically was literally the issue after Wolverine appeared in Daredevil. But uh, she, in that story, is dealing with her father, Lord Deathwind, who uh, is apparently the inventor of adamantium. Go figure. And of course, the Daredevil story focused on uh, they restored Bullseye's spine with adamantium, and that'll play somewhat into this story as well. But Lady Deathstrike first shows up as Lady Deathstrike in a couple of issues of Alpha Flight, and then really becomes the Deathstrike we know over in uh, Uncanny X-Men. And so I'm going to talk with Denise about the Alpha Flight issues, and then I'll talk with Cameron about the Uncanny X-Men issue. And so that's what we're going to do. So, happy anniversary to the podcast with uh, Lady Deathstrike. Three years, man. Who would have thunk it? But anyway, without further ado, here we go. So, uh, we're going to talk about Lady Deathstrike, like we mentioned. And she first shows up in a couple of issues of Alpha Flight. We're going to talk specifically about Alpha Flight 33, 34, and then just so we're not completely left hanging... I will mention a brief bit about Alpha Flight 35. Briefly. Very briefly. Okay. Not boxers, briefs. So, number 33 is 
written by Bill Mantlo. Yay! Uh, pencils by Sal Buscema. Inks by Gary, or maybe Jerry Talalok. Talalok? I don't know. Letters by Jim Novak. Colors by Bob Sharon. And we have a cover by Mike Mignola, which he's an artist I really, really like. And this is the first time he's drawing Wolverine. All that said, don't really care for this cover. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So it's the background. The colors are cool. It's like a dark purple sky and some half-toned trees like a forest. And then we have like weirdly lighted but kind of ghost-like members of Alpha Flight in front of the trees. Yeah. Then in front of our Alpha Ghost, we have, in this issue, the Uncanny X-Men. And we have the X-Men. And they just don't look great. No, they look bizarre. In fact, the whole thing looks like it was printed weird. Yeah. And our first Mignola Wolverine, which should be exciting, is kind of just a lot of a lot of lumps. It looks very lumpy. Yeah. And, of course, he'll make up for it on the next cover, but we'll talk about that when we get there. But also in the foreground, we have the new Guardian, which is Heather in the Guardian suit. Um, and she's taken a, a blast to the tummy. She had some bad enchiladas, and now she's laying on the ground. Yeah, and her blast to the stomach looks like somebody just dropped ink on top of her. Oh, well, it's a little bit of Kirby crackle, so I'm okay with that. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, so in this book... Heather, now in possession of the guardian supersuit of her deceased husband, is denied training by her Alpha Flight teammates, so she goes to see Logan for help. The X-Men, about to leave for the opera, see her approach, and Magneto zaps her. Zing! Yep. Logan collects her unconscious body. Storm tells him to take care of Alpha business on his own, and so he drives off with Heather. Because they're on the way to the opera. Yeah. They have, n- they have But they don't go, though. Do. They're like, Logan, you take the car and you take care of this. We're going to go inside and watch the webcast of the opera. Yeah. Of course, after they drive off, she wakes up and asks Logan for help. He- she is Heather, by the way. Logan says that she's crazy, but he owes her, so he'll help. We get a nice long flashback of when Mac and Heather found Logan wild in the woods. We see Fogan... <laughs> Fogan? Fogan, the fake Logan. No, we see Logan's first reactions to his adamantium claws. It makes him a little crazy, but Heather comforts him. Aww. Uh, back in the present, Logan says he still doesn't know what happened, but he knows that Mac and Heather helped him. So that's important. In fact, they saved him. He also reveals he was in love with her, and that's why he actually left Department H. You didn't want to. You didn't want to be a home wrecker. Well, good for you, Wolverine. Yay! So Logan struggles with uh, the decision to help Heather, all the while changing into his costume as Wolverine because he senses danger. And danger, then, Will Robinson. Danger, <laughs> danger. And then at the end, Lady Deathstrike and a bunch of ninjas surround them, and that's that issue. Oh, there's some other Alpha Flight subplots. Yeah, that, there's a lot of random stuff we're not going to talk about so much yeah um, yeah so i didn't think it was funny uh on page eight logan muses whether mozart was a mutant (laughs) i did enjoy that i thought it was funny it was cheesy but funny but this logan in the first half of this book is pretty terrible 
And she well, knows. he's like the Clint Eastwood Logan. And I'm not overly fond of the Clint Eastwood Logan. Yeah, but... <laughs> so on the bottom of that self-same page eight where we have the mutant Mozart joke, the last panel, Logan's like, what? And he drops his cigar, and that face is terrible. <laughs> it didn't even look like Logan. I feel like there should be banjo music behind him, like the Dukes just ran off with his chickens. <laughs> He's like, them Duke boys! <laughs> And the screen freezes and it's like, well, what are they going to do now? (laughs) Right. (laughs) But instead of a longhorn on the front of his car, he has like six adamantium claws above his headlights. Yes. Boss Wolverine. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, it's not good. His car even kind of looks like a Boss Hog car. And the car they drive off in, the X-Memo or whatever, the X-Sedan. The ex-sedan. Yeah, it kind of looks like a boss hog. Yeah. And then uh, another favorite part is we have all these panels of the X-Men mistakenly attacking Guardian. And they talk about how it's nightfall, but all the panels, the sky is bright blue. Yeah. So I'm going to say it's mid-afternoon at best. Maybe right before dusk. Maybe it takes them a while to get to the opera, and then they have to have time to park and walk and find their seats. And it's daylight savings time. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, you know, light until 9 o'clock. I'm pulling here. I don't know. Anyway, so we get our first reveal of Lady Deathstrike as Lady Deathstrike. Now, of course, remember, we've already had um, Eureka before in Daredevil, but this is... Her first foray into the X-Universe and her first appearance as Lady Deathstrike. And I gotta say, her initial design looks a lot like an old G.I. Joe figure. It does. It's not bad. I like the color work. It's very purple and blue. Very cool. Cobra! But, um... So at this point, does her fingernails grow? Shh. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Oh, sorry. I was just curious. No, she's just a ninja with a sword. Kind of a samurai. Yeah, she's like a cross between a ninja and a samurai. Yes. And it looks like she would lead the, uh, was it the Night Stalkers? Is that, was that the name of the purple ninjas? I have no idea. Yeah, I think so. And I got to say also on this little little section that Bill Mantlo just doesn't really get the X-Men, or, or particularly Storm. Because here's how this would really play out in an X-Men book. All right, Throw it at me. They would probably still accidentally attack Guardian. That's fine. No big deal. Especially right. Magneto because he wouldn't know her. He'd just see someone flying towards the mansion at full speed. He'd be like, zap, just like he did. That That's all fine. Where it becomes very foreign to X-Men is after she lands and they interact. Because in an X-Book, here's what Sto- Wolverine would grab her and be like, all right, I got to take care of this. I'm out of here. And Storm would be like, no, you're an X-Men. We're family. Let's do this together. And, and Wolverine would be like, uh, okay, but no. And he'd run off. Right. But here, Storm's like, Wolverine, this is your business. We don't care about Alpha Flight. You, almost like they're jealous. Like, you're an X- a group that we weren't invited to. You're an X-Men now. You left Alpha Flight. You, if you want to go help them again, you, you go ahead. But don't expect us to help. Those dang Canadians. Right. You can go take care of your knucklehead business with your fellow knucklehead girlfriend. Yeah, it's just, it doesn't ring true. I feel like like he flip-flopped the way the characters should act. I will say this part of the book seemed 
foreign to me. Like they needed Wolverine to go off by himself. Yeah, so and he they would have. That's, that's truncated not the this. Yeah. yeah. The problem is that they made the X Men push him away when they wouldn't have, especially right. not Storm. But they had the opera. I mean, opera tickets. <laughs> but they're not going. They're going to watch the webcast. They it didn't is important. It. DVR wasn't invented then. Well, it was the webcast, but they have future check. <laughs> All right, moving on. Yeah, so um, yeah, we get some stuff from Wolverine Run to the Forest. The art starts getting a little bit better, not a whole lot. And we can get our flashback stuff, which is pretty cool. That part's actually pretty cool, especially as a, as a Wolverine fan. But then we pop our claws. And both times, I don't know whether to blame Musima or Novak. I'm still I'm never real sure whether the letterers or the artists do these sound effects. They came out the wrong spot. No, that's fine. It's the back of his hand. That's not what I'm worried about. Oh. What I'm worried about is twice we get a snicked and there's no T on either of them. <gasps> we just get a snick. It almost looks like sink. <laughs> almost. <laughs> Without my glasses, it looks like it's sink. A dix- it's a dyslexic sink. Yes. Which, if we named our episodes, that would be the name of this episode. The dyslexic sink. sink. Because it stinks. <laughs> Teasing. Okay. That's how one time Ethan said this was, he was like, the podcast that goes snicked? You mean the podcast that goes stink? <laughs> yep. Fill in the love. Fill Leave the it love. to our son to uh, throw us under the bus. Yeah. And then on page 17, we get Wolverine's first glimpse of his claws. Oops. Oops. <laughs> but really... It was a premature right. clawing. Well, no, not that. Just he would have already had claws. So here's... This is before... This predates any kind of bone claw. And um, you can kind of handle this two ways. Okay. You can be... Well, I guess three. The first one is a subset of two. So you, either way, you have to do a little bit of mental gymnastics with your continuity. Okay. Right. But we're in the time of Wolverine's period in the flashback where this is going to come up a lot, and you just kind of have to deal with it. So you can say, well, I'm an old school Wolverine fan, and he never had claws at all to Weapon X, and that's just how it is. And you can ignore origin and the bone claws. Okay. Or you came around after the bone claws came around. You're maybe a newer Wolverine fan. You're like, no, that makes sense. That's the way to go. It should be bone claws. Right. Adamantium came later, and and this part's wrong. Okay. Or or you can kind of just throw in a little phrase in all these flashbacks and Wolverine's thought process, and just add in quotes in adamantium. And just put it at the end of all these sentences. So when he says, that's the first time I saw these claws. In adamantium. Right. (laughs) It's like the embed joke. You just throw embed on the end, it makes it funny. Well, if you just throw in adamantium on the end of all this stuff, it makes it in continuity. Right. That's the first time I saw it do that in adamantium. She's looking really hot. In adamantium. <laughs> but yes, so that is my personal way to deal with this because then all this, it still counts. It still makes sense. And this is pretty good stuff we're getting here. So I hate to just kind of 
wash it away. And so I don't, I'm not of the opinion that it's either or. I just, you know, you do a little, little hurdling in your mind and you just say, he's not surprised at the claws. He's surprised at the adamantium on the claws. Right. And so I'm good with that. In adamantium. Yeah. (laughs) What I don't understand is why he calls his claws invisible back scratchers. (laughs) Sorry. They're not invisible. And I wouldn't want to scratch my back with them. Well, that's fine. Because he calls them, there'll be times, I don't remember if we've already had this or if it'll be later, but where he calls them pick stickers. I mean. In adamantium. He has pet names for his claws. That's just Wolverine. Yeah. Other men have pet names for things too. (laughs) Yes, right. In adamantium. But I would never call it invisible. No. I hope not. And especially when I'm looking right at it. That was that is what makes Louis sense here. He's looking at his claws. He sees them. That's why he's panicking. And then he says, I first glimpse of my invisible back scratchers. Well, okay. Now, Logan is a little crazy. He's tied to a mattress. Maybe he just forgot what the word invisible means. No, I think what he means by invisible is they're in his hand. So he's got back scratchers, but he can't see them unless he pops them. They're invisible under his skin. It's the inanimantium rule, but okay. under the skin. No, that's that's maybe the Bill Mantlo rule, and I don't accept it. No, that's I so that's throw the it next out of the thing. court. Under the skin, inanimantium. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I don't, I don't get this at all. It makes no sense to me. It ruins a perfectly good scene. Inanimantium. But Bill Mantlo is good at that. And disclaimer, I do feel really bad for his health problems. And as a person, I hope he gets better. He's just not my favorite writer. I'm sorry. That's okay. I don't want to sound like a complete jerk. Please don't. Right. Yeah. So then I thought page 18 was a really fantastic page. I love the way they have no. Yeah. So there's four panels and down the page in the middle, we have a really big no. It can't be as he looks at his claws. And the art is really good on those panels. And this it is. about halfway through this book, the art really starts picking up. I I only have one complaint on the, this page. What? So the ropes that tie Wolverine to the bed are a blue tint. Okay. It is the same blue tint that they color Wolverine's hair with. So when he's laying on the floor... Oh, it looks like he has a really nasty ponytail. <laughs> it looks like he has a rat tail. Yeah, a really long braided rat tail. And I actually had to do a double take because I was like, what? <laughs> when did Wolverine have like a mullet? It's part of his gang initiation in the Alpha Flight. I was like, did they cut it off? <laughs> I was like, Wolverine, there's no party in the back. <laughs> no, his party's all up front to the sides. Yeah. <laughs> The party's in the east and west wing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Then we get another kind of thing we have to uh, do some mental gymnastics with. Heather says, when she's comforting him, she says, those claws aren't you, are they? (gasps) Oops. Yeah, they kind of (laughs) are. Somebody did that to you in adamantium. (laughs) So those claws aren't you. In adamantium. Are they? <laughs> Someone did that to you. In adamantium. <laughs> this is my favorite game ever. 
And she goes, oh, you, oh, poor, you poor, poor man. In adamantium. <laughs> As she hugs his naked body, keeping him warm. So did they, I know he's wrapped in a blanket, but is his like little bear invisible, skin. Is invisible uh, seventh claw. Yeah. <laughs> well, he did have a little bear skin wrapped around him when they found him. Did they? Yes, a loincloth. <laughs> did they remove it? That'll be a retcon too, by the way. Yeah, he'll be naked, except for the the weapon. Wolverine's machinery. always naked. He likes being naked. He's he's an animal. In adamantium. Um, yeah. So we get another reference on page twenty that someone gave me claws, but we get something pretty important. We get the first ever reveal that Wolverine doesn't remember parts of his past. Ooh. They've been mysterious to us, the reader. Where other people would say, oh, we don't know anything about Wolverine. Or right. there'd be hints that there was a lot we didn't know. But this is kind of the first time he really says, I don't know what happened to me. Right. And so that's that's a pretty big deal. And he also admits his love for Heather, which, Ooh. yeah. And I got to say, when you combine, you know, I always, always kind of harp on the fact. Is Heather a redhead? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of Wolverine. Love for Jean. I'd rather him love Mariko. She's my yeah. favorite. But when you combine this reveal, and then when you much later read Origin with Rose, who was also his kind of first love in a redhead, right. then you can just say he just has a thing for redheads, and you chalk it up. And yeah, he can like Jean no matter how no. annoying she is. No. <laughs> no. You're attracted to what you're attracted to. No. And Wolverine was rescued. The first two big times in his life when he needed a woman to help him out, they were both redheads. No. No. I'm sorry. I'm going to write a comic book where someone... I kind of wish, and I think, spoilers, Mac comes back later. I'd be okay with him just having a long-term relationship with Heather. I, Mariko, and then maybe Heather or Carol Danvers, I'd put all those above Jean Grey. I put the trash can above Jean Grey. (laughs) Wolverine yes. could date a trash can. There's I'd be okay no with that. There's no secret for how much you hate Jean. Oh. We also get kind of an official timeline a little bit. So it was, they found him. Right. So after they found him, it was Department H. Then he left because he didn't want to be a homewrecker. He went to Canadian Secret Service. Right. And that's where Professor X found him and when he joined the X-Men. Right. Okay. So there's always been a little bit of kind of like, well, was Department H and the Canadian Secret Service like the same thing? This is where we get a clear delineation of the order of how, of his career, if you will. All right? Anything else you want to talk about as far as the plot? I mean, Lady Deathstrike shows up literally again on the last panel. No, I um, I thought it was okay. Yeah. There's a lot of like intermingling of stuff that I didn't feel was needed. Well, you have, like I said, you have all the extra Alpha Flight stuff that I didn't really care about. Uh, what do you think of the art overall? Eh, I thought it was okay. I thought as the book progressed, it got better. It did get a little better. And I, I would say overall, I'm a Sal Basima fan. I really like where he ends up much later, or not much later, a little bit later on Spectacular Spider-Man. His run on that, I enjoy quite a bit. I've always really loved his Green Goblin. And before this, his stuff on Hulk was fine. I felt like of the Basima stuff I've read, or uh, the Sal Basima stuff I've read, this is some of the weaker, but it does get better as it goes. Yeah. And, of course, we're in that weird mid-80s thing where the 
they did something printing wise and the colors are weird to me and it's only in some books because in the x-men books you still have old looking colors but they're rich whereas these feel very flat and you see that like in avengers books as well of this time period like the calf annual we just covered uh just kind of flat colors hmm i'd have to do research to find out why that is yeah i don't know i'm sure it may actually just be the paper if they change the paper over time, it will make the color seem flat. Right. So maybe when it actually, you know, like hit the stands, eh, the possibly. colors were yeah. brighter. But. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, so I kind of read this and I kind of scratched my head and I said, whoa, wait, good mantlo? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. It's actually pretty dumb until the flashback, but then it's pretty good. Yeah. The Wolverine part from the flashback on is is pretty decent. And retconning aside, if you're willing to kind of do the, do the work in your head, we get a whole lot of Wolverine information here. Yep. And, you know, the debut of Lady Deathstrike as Lady Deathstrike. So that's a pretty big deal. She's a, a pretty big Wolverine villain, like, yep. like we said. So overall, what do you want to grade Alpha Flight 33? I'm going to give it four out of six. Okay. I also give it four out of six claws. Okay. So next up, we will have Lady Deathstrike in full effect in Alpha Flight number 34. And this is pretty... Oh, wait. No, it's not quite the same. Phil Mantlo is still the writer. Sal Buscema is still the artist. Gary or Jerry Talowak is the finisher or the inker. Finish him. Uh, Janice Chang is the letterer. And Bob Sharon is the colorist. And the cover is again by Mike Mignola. This time a much better cover. What do you think of this cover? Or what's on this cover, first of all? So we have Guardian. uh, And her and Wolverine are uh, kicking some ninja butt. Yeah, going through some Shogun. That's right. Samurai. I love this cover. I have one small complaint. Oh, and just FYI, Lady Deathstrike is down there in the corner. Amidst all the green and purple and blue ninjas, which, by the oh, way, yeah. I love the coloring of the samurai. It's like, where's Waldo? <laughs> yeah. Where's Lady Deathstrike? Yeah, there she is. But yeah, Vind- uh, Guardian slash Vindicator are on top of this kind of butt, or butte, I mean. Yeah. Uh, and Wolverine's just, he's slicing away, and, and Guardian slash Vindicator is zapping away. We have a nice, stark, white background, and then the logo that. is in really cool color. It is really it's like cool. in this bright orange letters with a bright neon green almost border. It's very 80s. It is very 80s, but... But yeah. I like it. Yeah, and also contrast with the colors in the cover as well. And Mignola, even in his little autograph signature, put a little like samurai mask head. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, I, as much as I didn't care for the cover to number 33, this feels more like Mignola to me. And I really, really like it a lot. Okay, so I loved it until something caught my eye and then something else caught my eye and then it ruined it for me. Okay, what's that? So Guardian slash Vindicator. So the first thing I noticed is that her boobs are like where her belly button would be. No, they're not. Yes, they are. They're not. Then her hips are like, like they're dislocated. (laughs) Maybe a little bit. Okay, but... No, her boobs shouldn't be down here. She doesn't have, like, 
Uh, her belly button would, so there's a little dot in her uniform. Okay, but that's uh, not your natural. Your belly button is not lower than your natural waist. Well, no, no. I'm saying it should be a hair above that, where the kind of the, yes. the last part of the maple leaf cuts through her midsection. That's yes. where her belly button would be. Yes. So there's a good Stop. like half me. torso between that and her her cleavage, her under boob. Yeah, but when I put my okay, so as a girl. Okay, stand up. Take off your top. All right. <laughs> She my- she didn't <laughs> listeners just watching okay. it. But look, look where my elbows are. I see your elbows. They're just below your boobs. Okay. But by a good bit. Okay. Her boobs are even with her elbows. Which means she's got oh, triple too- D's and she's hanging down. No, low. all right. Her torso is way too long. Right? I She's I- disproportionate. That's the point I'm trying to make. He's stylized as an artist, but yes, I agree. The Vindicator slash Guardian is not the highlight of the cover. No. The Shogun, Samurai, and Wolverine and the coloring are the highlight of the cover. Yes, but when you notice that she's the only thing that's disproportionate. She looks lumpy like someone molded her out of some weird clay. Yes, and that bugs the living you-know-what out of me. (laughs) Yeah, all right, that's fine. Um, All right, so what happens in issue number 34? <laughs> so. As we get fully introduced to Lady Deathstrike and her mission in adamantium. So back on an island in British Columbia, sibling drama continues on the he said, she said, who's going to be our leader melodrama when there's a knock at the door. Dun, dun, dun. Snowbird and her husband are looking for Dr. Two Young Men and so... <laughs> So is the rest of the village people. (laughs) But he's on a quest to find power in the barren lands. Yes, he's on a spirit quest. And I have a whole mess of jokes about that one, but let's move on. Wolverine and Deathstrike get into it. She wants Wolverine's bones. Yes, his animantium bones. bones. In animantium. (laughs) She goes on to monologue through the evening. And yes, it is through the evening. The color of the sky does get darker. Yes. Uh, as to why. And then Guardian questions her late husband's involvement to herself. She actually goes through an entire like grief therapy in a matter of three panels. Uh, while fighting, the Guardian goes on to mental monologue and changes her name to the Vindicator. Struggles over the idea that her late husband was a good man. She's not quite sure about that one. Yeah. Well, and the why? Well, because she thinks that he set it all up. Yes. So she remembers suddenly flashing in, in, into the eye of her mind's eye. Uh, that's very redundant. Sorry. Um, she rem- she recalls a detail that she had kind of not paid attention to, but now she can see it. And that Mac had some files on the bonding process of adamantium. Yes. And this is before they found Logan. So she jumps to conclusion that their whole honeymoon and him leaving her with Wolverine was all a setup. Yeah, so kind of what she eventually settles on and what we as a reader for now are led to believe is that Mac did, is responsible for the adamantium bonding. But then he felt bad that Wolverine reacted so poorly to it, like that was maybe an unforeseen circumstance. Right. And then so he kind of set up this, I'm going to save him and redeem him and 
And that would be my way of making up for the fact that I just about drove him nuts. Right. So, Puck has really bad timing. <laughs> <laughs> but Vindicator prevails, breaking Deathstrike's sword, leaving Puck and Wolverine feeling um, they're not needed. And we close randomly with our merwoman being caught. What? Huh? We don't even need that part. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we leave off. We'll talk about the ending in a minute. Okay. Uh, Puck's bad timing is that he, he saw someone fighting, fighting. Sparring. Sparring. Lady Deathstrike. But all he saw was the energy sword and thought, that must be the energy suit. Someone's fighting Heather. Oh, no. And so he runs over Wolverine with his plane. Blink. <laughs> yeah. Literally fracks him in the adamantium skull. Yeah. And his plane. his plane looks like something it, it in looks adamantium. Like a, it looks like a little jet flying around until that one panel where it looks like an adamantium doll. <laughs> yes. In adamantium. In adamantium. Which, you know, that's what I'm getting you for Christmas. <laughs> Oh, man. And my family comes over. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we get some interesting stuff. The pocket doesn't want Wolverine to train Heather. No. Anyone but him. No, because I love her. I'm trapped in a dwarf's body. Yes. Yeah. And we also get Puck, the dwarf who hates dwarfs. <laughs> yes. And um, I, I, I tweeted about this a little while back, and some, some people had some good fun with me. Bill Mantlo ruined Puck. Or tried his damnedest to ruin Puck. Right. Basically, he took what was an inclusive character, and we had a dwarf on Alpha Flight. I mean, we need more diversity on our teams, and Alpha Flight was pretty diverse. We have, you know, a dwarf. We have a very, really, we had to have, have Northstar come out because he's been gay this whole time. If you read the issues, he's, he's I mean, it's there. Yeah, he's uh, got pointy ears. An adamantium. Yeah. And we have, you know, um, the box with the amputated legs. And so we have a very diverse team. And Mantlo decided, hey, you know what, though? I don't want him to really be a dwarf. I'm going to say he was a real man. That's Mantlo's philosophy, not mine. And he got changed into a dwarf by magic. Magic tried to shrink him down to the size of a smurf and goofed. Right. Yep, it was Gargamel. Yeah. <laughs> or actually, Bill Mantlo is Gargamel. <laughs> but anyway, that, that's, anyway, Bill Mantlo ruined Puck, or tried to. I think you can just kind of sweep all that under the rug and not worry about it. And Puck is still probably my favorite Alpha Flight guy, him and North Star. Though, when Mantlo gets a hold of North Star, he takes what was some slightly annoying characteristics that John Byrne instituted and puts him in overdrive and makes him a complete dick. Yeah, I, I don't know that North Star. There's no fun to him. There's no fun at all in the character. Like, he's just completely... Sterile. Sure. In adamantium. Yeah. So, Lady D wants her daddy's adamantium back, and we get a nice little, like, well, how does this work? Because when last we saw Yuriko in the Daredevil story, um, she helped Daredevil take her dad down. Now she's fighting in his honor. So Bill Mantlo fixes that. We see a thing where she sees her dead father and then her boyfriend who worked for her father kills himself. 
Because he can't live with it. Well, he, he, yeah, he felt like he betrayed her dad or whatever. And so now Lady Deathstrike is like, no, and she runs away, and now she decides she has to carry on the family name. Yes. And some twisted, but she's always kind of had a twisted, broken psychology. So that kind of makes sense, at least for where she goes in the future anyway. And when we see the flashback with her dad, we realize, and I forgot about this, why she kind of looks like a G.I. Joe ninja. Because her dad was pretty much the Japanese Cobra commander. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and of course, we get like the whole thing where she wanted, originally wanted to find Bullseye and reclaim the adamantium from his spine. But then she heard about Wolverine and said, that'll do. <laughs> yep. There's probably more there. Yeah, yeah, probably so. So she's basically just going trying to find all the adamantium laying around. Yeah, and we alluded to that the Mac might be responsible for Wolverine. That's pretty big deal. That's huge. Some of this will get retconned again later, but for now, that that's our story, is that the Mac was responsible for what happened to Wolverine and where he got the adamantium. We get an awesome thing on page 11 where Wolverine's like, come and get it. Um, he basically says, Death Strike, I don't know if my bones came from your old man's process or not. But if you want them back, you have to carve them out of me. Want to try? <laughs> and she takes her energy sword and says, yes. I've been practicing on Christmas dinner with the turkey. Yes. Now I will practice on you. Sorry, that sounded way too stereotypically Asian. I didn't mean to do that, actually. Yeah, she did. came out. I apologize to everybody. So before you write in angrily, I am already aware of how stupid I am. Wow, somebody might write in. <laughs> yeah, well, if that gets an email, then I, I, I take it all back. <laughs> Again, don't email us at... Yeah, asknickcast at yahoo.com. But yeah, so we get some pretty cool fighting here uh, between Wolverine and Lady Deathstrike. So we get another snick with no T on page 13. Come Boom. on. Come on, guys, you alpha flight knuckleheads. And then, of course, on page 19, I said, Puck, don't you know what assume does? Mm. <laughs> it makes an ass out of you when you knock down Wolverine. <laughs> um, With your weird plane. But I do really, really like Vindicator holding her own. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. She's like, I don't need you guys to protect me. That's basically what the problem is, is Puck didn't want to train Heather because he was afraid she'd get hurt or even killed. Right. And he's alone with her and he wants to protect her. Wolverine, Wolverine had the just same. protects everybody. So it's maybe not necessarily a sexist, but but still there. But she's like, you know what? I don't need you guys. She, she's the one that takes out Deathstrike. Yeah. Well, actually, Deathstrike kind of takes out herself because she gets cocky and throws her sword around. Well, her sword, who can take out anybody, but not Vindicator's suit. No. They cancel each other out and the sh- sword shatters. And then, in my notes, I wrote after page 21, am I missing a page? <laughs> because that ending is awkwardly erupt. It As is. As Heather defeats Deathstrike, she turns to Wolverine and Puck standing there and says, do you still want to offer me your protection? And Puck and Wolverine are both like, yes, we should use protection. We don't need any Ill- illegitimate baby <laughs> alpha flight people. But that's not the protection she means. <laughs> No. So she's she's not suggesting they they raw dog it, but 
But she does, um, you know, basically she just says, hey, I'm, I can handle myself. And she asks, she basically gives him a little jab, and then we turn the page, and it's a completely different scene, and then it's the end of the comic. Dump. Yeah, what happened? <laughs> we'll talk about more about that in a second. So I thought the art was um, okay, kind of the same as 33. Yeah, I agree. It kind of, I feel like every issue in Alpha Flight, maybe, I don't know, we'll see, I'll read some more and tell you. But the art is like, well, every issue I'm going to start off kind of bad and then gradually get better yeah. and end okay. I don't know what I meant to write. I wrote on my notes for the story that it's pretty worthy, but I like it. I think I meant to write wordy. Yeah, <laughs> it is very wordy. It is pretty wordy, but I like it. Um, I like kind of the tie-in. I know not all of this will stick long-term, but where we're going with Wolverine's past is super interesting. And the yeah. intrigue and, and tying Mac into it wasn't his fault. She is, um, Heather just assuming it's his fault, and maybe it's really not. Like, right. Where's it all going to go? So we're, it's not completely resolved, but we're starting to get a lot of answers into Wolverine's past. And I really, really dug that part of it. And kind of the other subplots, uh, we have the last page with the uh, marinara sauce underwater girl. And then we have a little bit with the uh, snowbird and shaman. But, I mean, that's really only a few pages. Most of this is actually devoted to the yes. Death Strike story as opposed to the previous issue. Right. And I really dug that. Um, all right, well, let's grade it, and then we'll talk about a couple other things. Okay. I'm going to give it four out of six just because it was really wordy. And while I liked Vindicator's train of thought, I felt like she came to her conclusion entirely too fast. I wish she would have been like, oh, I remember this. I wonder if this means this. And like didn't immediately like, I hate my husband. <laughs> right. Because if, it, quite honestly, if you're married to someone, your first thought is, I wonder why. And right. then you can question. Right. I mean, it almost seems like it'd be more natural to have deniability first. Right. And be in denial because no, my, no, I, I love my husband. He was the best man ever. Right. Like he, there's no way he did this. And then, well, maybe the evidence says he did. Yeah. Instead of going, oh man, my husband's such a jerk. He was a fraud. Oh, yeah. this whole time, my whole life's a lie. But uh, he was a good man. But he was a good man. Yeah. That was ha really far-fetched. And I get that they're trying to squeeze a bunch of information in like three pages, <laughs> but I would have preferred her to have been like, oh, I remember this. What does this mean? Does this, it, like, I would have preferred her to go, does this mean this? No, there's no way it can mean that. It's got to mean something else. I just don't understand it. Right. I would have preferred that train of thought and then a whole nother comic side part of a comic leading up to her going, man, this is actually what he did. And that kind of irritates me. Yeah. All right. I, I can buy that. I am going to grade it a little bit higher than you, though. I'm going to give Alpha Flight 34. Five out of six claws. I would I wish the art would have been a little stronger. I actually, you know, Mignola, I, I'm, I'm maybe over-analyzing how to pronounce it. I think most people actually say Mignola. I'm trying to, like, make it all European-sounding. Um, I don't know if that's, I don't know which one's right. But um, anyway, previous to this, he was also doing the interiors. I would have loved to have seen this story with his art all the way through. Right. Um, Musima did okay. But I'm not going to dock off too many points for that. And like I said, because 
some of the dumber subplots that are going through Alpha Flight right now are mostly absent. I thought this book stood a lot tall. I, I didn't think it was fair to give this the same grade as 33 because I just thought it was a lot better. So right. I'm going to go up to five out of six claws. All right, real quick, Alpha Flight 35 because we need to, we need to talk about this ending of 34. So, um, it is Bill Mantlow. The penciler is introducing Canada's own David Ross. Jerry Tullock is still the inker. And I apologize, dude. I have no idea how to say your name. Um, and I know you're listening, so I'm sorry. Um, Jim Novak is the letterer. Bob Sharon's the colorist. And the cover is, I think, again, by Mignola. I can't find his classic signature, but it looks like him to me. I guess I can look that up real fast. Let's look on the Marvel Comics Wiki app. Do-do-do, Alpha Flight, number 35, volume 1. Oh, no, this says that Dave Ross is actually the cover artist. So if that is correct, then we have a different cover. Well, I like this cover. It's basically um, Shaman in his new pretty sweet costume wrestling some pretty wicked-looking skeletons and then Talisman zapping them with her Doctor Strange fingers uh, with some green light. I think it's a nice cover. I like the coloring on it. I think everybody looks pretty good. Yeah. I like the skeletons. And really, all I want to say about this issue, to wrap up 34, Okay. we see Vindicator fly off with Puck while Wolverine pretty much waves by. Oh. <laughs> And then the rest of the comic is all about Shaman and kind of the, the end of his spirit quest. Overall, I would say Mantlo doing mysticism is not great, but he really likes doing it and does a lot of it and is not his strong suit. That's kind of the reason I'm not a huge fan. Um, the art by this Ross guy is not bad. There's a really cool panel at the end where he is basically snowbird during this whole thing is her transformations are out of control. There's a really awesome panel where she turns into like this wolf eagle. Yeah. Pretty sweet. But yeah, uh, overall, I would give Alpha Flight number 35 two out of six claws. Ooh, ouch. All right, so Lady Deathstrike. This is not the Lady Deathstrike fully realized that we here on the podcast that Ghost Nicked have come to know and love. But we get a pretty good introduction to her. So what do you think of the character to this point? It's hard for me to judge. Um, I think she's interesting, but I, I, quite honestly, going, I want your adamantium bones. <laughs> Seems bratty and um, immature. Kind of, I like the idea of her trying to, whether she agreed or disagreed with the father, you can look at it two ways, that she wants to carry on his work and reclaim what is rightfully his, or she feels like her dad was a bad guy, which she did back in the Daredevil issue. She thought he was a bad dude. And she wants to undo his work. Yeah. Because maybe, I think in her twisted mind, if her dad's a bad guy and these people used his adamantium, they must be bad too. And it's not necessarily the most practical common sense, but I think... For, we already know that she kind of has a damaged psyche. Yeah, okay, so I guess that's what I would have preferred. It's hard to go, I want your adamantium bones for X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I agree. That would have been better. Because just going out and going, I want it, like now. <laughs> okay, so just give it to me. Yeah. 
but, is bratty and you're just like, F you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. But I like the idea of her showing up. She has a, an energy sword. She has a bunch of samurai ninja guys with her uh, little little small army. thought that was cool. Uh, she fought well, so that was yeah. good. Yeah, overall, I, I like her. Um, her next appearance that we'll talk about with Cameron is a pretty big leap. Both forward and kind of leaps over a lot of plot. <laughs> but we'll talk about that more when we get there. But um, overall, I would give her a thumbs up. You can give her more of a sideways thumb or are you still going up? Eh, she's sideways. Okay, fair enough. So that is our very first introduction to Lady Deathstrike. And we'll, uh, we'll find out how she evolves further in just a minute. So, oh, but oh. while we're here celebrating our third anniversary of the podcast. Yes. With my lovely wife. Yes. Um, well, I think in, in the vein of celebration, in the tone of celebration, there's something else uh, we're celebrating over here. We are. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, we like, are. Would you like to say what it is? We're having a little snicked. <laughs> no, I, I had a little snick, several <laughs> little snicks, and that led to a little Wolverine. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah, if you haven't figured it out, we're pregnant. Yeah. So, you know, here at the podcast, eventually there will be a bouncing bundle of joy, hopefully not as hairy as Wolverine. Well, we don't know. And that's the thing is we don't, we're not oh, going to gender. find out. Yes, we're yeah. not going to, we're, we're not going to find out the gender until he or she pops out. Yep. That's so. the way. Surprise! Yep. <laughs> so we don't know if we're having a little Logan or a little Loganette. A little Laura. Laura. Yeah. There we go. There you go. Yeah, either or. But yeah, but no, we're pretty excited, and I figured this would be for the third anniversary of the podcast. We're, we're celebrating that, so why not throw a little extra celebration on there? So our little Logan or Laura is due in the middle of March. Yes. So, so if you find Denise suddenly missing from some of the episodes, that's where she is. I gone far. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the other room. In fact, you'll probably hear the little baby crying in the background. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thanks for uh, participating in, in the celebration of the podcast, Denise. And um, we'll switch, switch gears a little bit and see what Cameron has to say. Moving on to Cameron. All right. <laughs> I don't know if that recorded or not. Um, <laughs> but hey, that's Cameron. <laughs> hey, Cameron. What's Thank, going on? Not much. Uh, so thanks for coming on for the uh, part of the uh, third anniversary of the podcast that goes nicked. No problem. Yeah, you've been you've been around for quite a bit of it, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lot of fun, man. <laughs> <laughs> Memories. Is that how that song goes? I don't know that. Yeah. Our friends are friends forever. <laughs> <laughs> podcasters are podcasters forever. I don't know. That's right. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, you have like an old school Guinness mug with one the, of the old ads. It's a coffee mug. Yeah. Kevin got it for me when, when he went to Ireland. Oh, cool. Yep. It's got one. Is, have you ever seen any of the old, like, Guinness, like, ad, the, magazine ads? It's got the one with the toucan in it. Yeah. 1935, it says. Yeah, it is pretty old. 1855. The mug's not that old. 
I don't want listeners to think I have some fancy old mug. It's, it's an just, antique mug, yeah. Yeah, I think maybe it's showing the... This is a great podcasting. I think it's showing the uh, the 1935 logo, and then I guess they changed it to 1955 here. Oh, wow. Okay. Maybe. And the toucan got on a uh, weather vane. There you go. And there's a little... It only took him 20 years to find it. That's right. <laughs> he was following his what nose. What action is this? <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> Let's start over. Forget it. No, 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 no. <laughs> we're, we're, we're in too deep. Trying to keep... <laughs> we can't go back. Can't go back. Well, hey, so at the end of the last segment, uh, Denise and I shared some news with the, the podcast family um, about some addition to our family. Do you have any news you want to share about additions to your family? No way. Factories. <laughs> You've had enough at three? That is enough. Congratulations <laughs> on your addition, though. Yeah, thanks. I've told you already, but yeah, now you know, you got to pre- pretend, <laughs> pretend you're telling me the, for the first time. Podcast official, congratulations. Yes. Podcast official. That's almost as good as Facebook official. That's right. Doesn't count until it's on Facebook. Yep. That's true. And eventually this episode will be on Facebook and it will count. So, speaking of segues. (laughs) (laughs) Segues. What is wrong with us? (laughs) This is wheels off. One day we're going to do a podcast and it's just going to be us laughing for 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And people will know what it's really like to hang out with us. Well, that, that is really it. Amy said the other day when we went out with a bunch of people, um, Amy's my wife, by the way, podcast yeah. listeners, if you care at all, um, that be, the what she said, she said, being with, um, being with you, me, and Blake is like just sitting around listening to half a conversation because it's just less us starting stories and starting comments and then just laughing. <laughs> it's almost like a different language because we just kind of communicate on this level of what you do when you've known each other, known people for over 30 years. Yeah, yeah. All right, our triumvirate. We'll do a podcast like that sometime. We'll yeah. just be us making references from the 90s. <laughs> But not like pop references, no. specific references to people and events that happened in our lives that no one will get for any reason, and we'll just laugh about it for an hour. <laughs> that would be podcast gold. Exactly. You know what else is podcast gold? Wolverine. Wolverine, that's right. We're going to continue our third anniversary celebration with the uh, continued, I guess, evolution of one of Wolverine's first arch foes. And Lady Deathstrike. And so when we last left her, she got her little energy sword shattered by Vindicator. And we're assuming she left. That story ended very abruptly. So something happened to her. I like how you patronizingly referred to it as her little energy sword. (laughs) (laughs) Like she's got a little toy sword. She's trying to fight Wolverine. (laughs) That's pretty much what happened. Um... (laughs) Anyway, so we're kind of left hanging on what happens to her, and then we come over to Uncanny X-Men 205, and we're kind of le- still left hanging, but let's uh, let's talk about how. Let's do it. Yeah. So, what, what are our credits for Uncanny X-Men 205? All right, so we have a Wounded Wolf. That's a good name. Yeah, I like the little sub-bar. Wounded Wolf, a solo adventure starring Wolverine of the Uncanny X-Men. 
No, this is the real, I mean, it's been already been the case for a long time, but this is real, like, evidence that Wolverine is really number one. Yeah. That suddenly he's he's top-billed above the whole X-Men <laughs> team. <laughs> uh, all right, so we got Chris Claremont, Barry Windsor-Smith doing story, art, and color, Tom Orzachowski, letterer, and Nocenti, editor, and Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. Yeah. I don't know why I read the editors, but... That's okay. There's less people because there's yeah there's really only color yeah I guess that means he did ink too yeah Barry Windsor Smith does his whole thing he does so he does everything himself yeah no one can ink my drawings (laughs) yeah I really hope that's how he really laughs I do too (laughs) all right so cover. Cover also by Barry Windsor Smith was oh. kind of a uh, kind of a tease. It is a real tease, and we'll you want to talk about why now or later? Yeah, just for a minute. We won't won't get too spoilery, but it's one of those things that it wouldn't have been much of a tease when it came out because it was just a cool cover. Yeah, but very cool cover. Yeah, but when you go forward, and then you kind of forget what was in this issue, and you pick it up, and you're like, oh. This must be related to Weapon X because it looks like Barry Windsor Smith's Weapon X design stuff. So he yeah. obviously came back to this. Yeah, I mean, it looks it looks a lot like the the covers from from the, the Weapon X ser- uh, miniseries. Yeah, the Marvel Comics presents. Yeah, it looks a lot like that. It does. So basically, Wolverine is upside down, and actually he's not upside down. He's laying down, but we're seeing it from the perspective of being above his head got all kinds of wires connecting him up yeah he's tied up he's got his claws out in one hand i mean it, it, as we can i can't stress it more it literally looks just like a weapon x scene yeah, it really does and there's even like a skeleton on the table next to him yeah that i think has too many ribs but you know that's okay um, <laughs> not a human yeah but yeah, no, it's a really cool cover. The, the, it's all in like pink and purple. Mm-hmm. And even though like the letterbox where the faces are is kind of muted out in a reddish pinkish color. Yeah, it's a very cool cover, but it has at no point is Wolverine in any situation like this in the comic. No, some other characters are. Another character is exactly, but he is not. So it's it's a tease. But you're right. At the time, no one would have thought anything of it. It would have just been kind of. I guess it still would have been a little bit of a tease. Right. Tease is not the right word, but it would have been misleading. Misleading, we'll yeah. Because he hasn't done this yet. But now, post Weapon X, we'll say uh, it's very much reminiscent of that. And so I picked it up when I first looked at it and thought, "Oh wow, Weapon X!" I thought that was later, and I was right. It is later. <laughs> This is not anything at all to do with Weapon X. Nope, not not in the nope. least. Now, one thing I do want to say about the cover that I thought was very interesting, and you may totally disagree with me, but I don't care. Okay. Uh, if you look at the claws, look how his claws are kind of out. Mm-hmm. They are drawn in a way where, to me, they kind of look like they could be metal or bone. Ah, okay. And I, this is interesting that I I imagine I imagine there's no one thinking bone claws at this time. No, it was drawn in a way that could easily be retconned to say, "Hey, those are bone claws." I don't know why I thought, but I don't know why that well, struck yeah. me. 
I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that because I meant to, to lead with this and we, we got go. distracted with other stuff and I forgot. But one of the things we talked about uh, in the segment before when Denise and I did the Alpha Flight issues where Lady Death Strike first shows up in a simpler form was that they really, really hammer home the idea of someone giving him the claws. Yeah. And so we talked about kind of the ways of retcon, and I talked about there's kind of three ways to look at it. And then we, we, me and Denise kind of talked about where we stood, and, and I'll reiterate that again in a second. But I wanted to kind of know, I know it doesn't directly apply to this issue per se, but since we're, we're talking about it on the episode, and I think we've maybe flirted around this before a little bit, but I want to get a podcast definitive answer on your, <laughs> on your stance as far as the retcon, because we decided there's kind of three major ways to look at it okay. you can be like an old school wolverine fan which we fit that part and say no he didn't have claws originally they came in weapon x that's how it should be and all that bone claw stuff i just i'm gonna ignore that okay. there's some people that do that then there's people that are maybe more recent wolverine fans either they came along after the bone claws or they first started with origin or maybe even their first exposure was the movies. Yeah. And so for and they're like, Well, he has bone claws, he always had bone claws, so those stories that say he didn't are just wrong. Yeah. Or kind of the the more I probably I would say the more sensible answer that I, I think you're probably gonna say, but we'll we'll ask anyway. Um and then you just do a little kind of retcon gymnastics and you just say whenever he talks about people giving him claws or the first time he sees claws, then he really just means the first time he sees them in adamantium. Yeah. So in fact, we even, we even kind of made, a, you know, you, do you remember the old, uh, in bed jokes? Yeah. <laughs> so Denise and I decided that, that the way you make these retcons like all kind of line up is just every time you read a line of dialogue about how someone gave him claws, you just add on a little inadamantium at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that works. So, uh, so where, yeah. but where do you stand on that? Do you do you try to marry them together, or you just kind of go with one and not worry about it? I probably, I think you're probably right. I probably go with the sensible marrying them together. I mean, I, I like the idea of the bone claws. Yeah, I do too. Um, I get, I get why there are people who don't like it and think it was a, a silly retcon but i like it i like the idea of having something originally that that i don't know it just seems such a random thing to add to him right if it didn't if there's no basis in that it's like oh now we just have this machine <laughs> plus the 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 mechanics of creating retractable metal claws from scratch would make him a lot more androidy i right. think because you'd have like a whole machine in his hand, right? Doing retraction, you know. Whereas with the bone claws, the idea is this is a, a natural part of his body, and so that's part of the mutation. I don't know. We go either way. I, I guess, yeah. It just when he says claws, talking more about them as as a weapon with the adamantium. I guess I stand in the same place. All right. Cool. Was a clear as mud um, podcast <laughs> definitive answer. <laughs> I'm yeah. a, I'm rooting for office later, so I don't want to give you a oh, two. Okay, two gotcha. <laughs> well, if any listeners want to uh, contribute to that conversation, feel free to hit us up on uh, Facebook or Twitter and let us know what what you prefer. Whether you 
are kind of okay with making it all work or you have a preference one way or the other. And we'll, uh, we'll air some of those out next time. I kind of wish we had planned it ahead of time and, and each picked an opposing position. And oh, it had a little de- like high school debate. Oh, well. Well, you be the old fuddy-duddy who doesn't want claws, and I'll be the one who's like, no, bone claws all the way, because they're rad. Case closed. Rad. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> because they're cool. Because they're cool. Well, but anyway, back to the body shop and Uncanny X-Men 205. Okay, so we open up with... The a- body shop. <laughs> Is that where you got your sexy body, Cameron? <laughs> That is exactly where I got it. <laughs> they crafted it out of butter and ice cream. Awesome. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so we open with um, basically a bunch of robot-looking people. Yeah. You got three guys standing in the background that have helmets and basically cyborg, cybernetic guys. Um, and then you have a naked lady, although the good parts are covered. But you have a naked lady with lots of wires and... and uh, cables coming out of her and again again this is the cover it's not the exact same scene but it's you know a, a, this lady uh that turns out of course to be uh lady deathstrike or yuriko she is becoming lady deathstrike yes and so here we have her basically waking up to being cybernetically enhanced you have a lady named spiral that looks kind of like a power rangers villain don't know why she has that strange Voltron hat, but she does. And so basically we, we, we introduce Lady Deathstrike. She's being built. Um, we introduce the idea that the purpose of this, putting adamantium into her fingers uh, that grow into the classic Lady Deathstrike claws. Do they call them claws? I guess so, right? Yeah, I guess so. Fingernails? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I would, claws. Yeah. I guess that would be what it's called. Introducing the idea that the purpose of this for her, uh, that she is more... We have these three other guys that apparently, I guess Wolverine had beaten up to the point of death. Yeah, okay, so these are our guys from the Hellfire Club that were Wolverine's first kills we ever saw on page, and then they yeah. unkilled. And, and so they, they had come back once before where uh, Pierce had brought them back as... Less cyborgy looking cyborgs, <laughs> but now they're full cyborg. They've they've gone full cyborg. Yeah, well, we're in the late eighties now. We're pushing past the midway point in the late eighties. Right. So. Uh, but yeah, so they're basically they're saying they're cyborgs because of Wolverine, Lady Deathstrike. They ask if she's also a cyborg, but Spiral points out that they're way that she is way more than them. He calls her a cybernetic organism. And it's you know, fully cybernetically enhanced. Um, anyway, they reveal the point. The point of this is, is revenge, basically. The, the storyline you gave before about her father and everything, that Yuriko is seeking revenge for her father from Wolverine. And so she's done this to herself with the expectation that after she kills Wolverine, she'll be reverted back to normal. Um, Spiral gives a very unclear answer about that. Right. Whether she will be normal or not. And then that's kind of where it leaves it. That's basically just three pages with all of that. Then we open up in uh, a winter street, snow everywhere. We have Katie, the Energizer Bunny, the original Energizer Bunny. (laughs) 
Power Pack? Yeah, Power Pack. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Power Pack team. I don't know right. Um, Power Packs, she's washing her hands. She's talking about how she's a big girl now, even though she's only five. Um, and is frustrated at the lady that is watching her because that lady is not treating her like an adult or treating her like a baby. And she's upset about that, uh, which is kind of funny because I just had a big fight with my son about about how him not being old enough to run out of the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> in a restaurant. Anyway, it was kind of funny. He's about the same age. So um, anyway, um, so yeah, so she's on her way to do Carol's. And while they're walking out the door into a pretty intense snowstorm, uh, she gets knocked down by one of these cyborg guys who are attacking what you quickly find out is Wolverine. Uh, They have beaten Wolverine pretty badly to the point where Wolverine has kind of half berserker, half lost his mind. He'll later refer to himself as being turned back into an animal. He's also lost half his clothes, including half his shoes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's lost a lot of clothes. Um, and so Katie finds him, but he doesn't really remember Katie. He's kind of scary. He grabs her. They run. They end up running through the snow. Katie decides she's going to try to help Wolverine, even though he's kind of freaking her out a little bit because he doesn't seem to recognize her. She gets him up. They walk through the snow. Uh, the snow is very thick in the panels so it's a really they, they do a good job of the panels of really we'll talk more about it in a minute but they really show the snowstorm and how intense yeah. it is and they get in a cab uh but then the cyborgs find him and blow the cab up and wolverine saves the cab driver and anyway he ends up basically attack catching up to them he kills the two cyborgs then finds lady deathstrike uh defeats her fairly quickly after all that build-up and then, well, I guess it's not that quickly. It's more panels than I remembered. They have a pretty, pretty intense fight, but he doesn't kill her. And some great lines that we can go over more in a minute, but some great kind of conversation about her wanting death to end her suffering, and he basically won't give it to her, right. which I thought was pretty awesome. And then he goes back and tells Katie that um, he's sorry he scared her and that he'll always be her friend, and then that. Toy Story song comes on. They walk up, walk away in the distance. You've got a friend in me. <laughs> the Michael You've movie. got a friend in me. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! All right, uh, and that's it. So they walk off into the distance, friends again. Friends again, yay! That was a little convoluted summary, but as we talk about the comic, I think the listeners understand why the summer is a little convoluted because the comic's pretty convoluted well yeah and this will come into play more when we we actually grade the book but one of the things that that struck me about this issue was there's i feel like there's more that happens off the page than there is that happens on the page yeah we don't know how lady deathstrike got from canada to here um, yeah. Now, I will admit, this is not Spiral's first appearance. She originally appears in the Long Shot miniseries, which there's no way in hell I'm ever going to read. Um, and then she is in some New Mutant stuff. And then, and then she randomly shows up in Freedom Force, which is the only place I've ever read her, I mean, chronologically, up to this point. So I don't know, like, why, where this body shop place comes from. Like, that's not ever tied to her in the Freedom Force stories, I'm assuming maybe it ties to her in the long shot story, maybe. 
But like that kind of caught me off guard. Like just like, oh, I don't remember her being part of that. And then, yeah. you know, you have these other guys that the Wolverine basically eviscerated before. They're there. How do they hook up with Deathstrike? Or did did Spiral hook them up to like did she make that team? Or did Deathstrike like find them and they had a common hatred for Wolverine? And, and what's Spiral's motivation? Well, we know the Spiral eventually ties back to Mojo. And so yeah, I but just, but I mean, her motivation, why is she helping them? I That's guess because eventually to own them or to have them in her debt, I guess, is essentially what we're... But, that, but I, my point, I guess, is that none of that is in this comic. No, so it's, it's not. It's not. And what you get from this comic is that Spiral has a body shop and Deathstrike and these Hellfire Club guys show up and they become cyborgs. And then Spiral is like, I think the line she says, because you mentioned that Deathstrike is like, well, this is done. I get to go back to being a, a real woman, right? And she's like, the body shop guarantees satisfaction <laughs> or your money back. Which kind of sounds like she's saying no. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get to go back right. to normal. I, I'm going to say no in a way that everybody except for you will understand. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and it's just weird, too, because then we have this Lady Deathstrike. Like, this is the first time she gets her finger claws. Yeah. Like before, she was just a regular ninja with an energy sword, which is slightly better than a real sword that, that got shattered. Yeah. And now she's, she's upgrading herself, basically, because yeah. she felt like she failed at defeating Wolverine and I guess decided that even though she... Only lost that battle because Vindicator fried her with her electric suit. But for some reason, she's like, well, I need to upgrade if I'm going to defeat Wolverine. Which, in the end, is right. But she wouldn't have known that from the battle they had. Right. <laughs> so that part's kind of weird. And then, you know, we have this this villain who's going to... He was kind of Wolverine's first... Not first. Um, one of his first. I guess third, t- t- technically kind of solo adversary in his rogues gallery and we don't even see the first time they really fight with the claws we get like round two yeah (laughs) but then the fight in round two is so like kind of uneven like you said it's it's longer than you gave you led people to believe it's it's actually almost six full pages yeah i was looking when i was scrolling back through it it was longer than i remembered i guess i it looked quickly. But at the end of the fight, Wolverine wins so easily. Yeah, it's such an abrupt ending. And then you're left wondering, well, then how do they beat him so completely the first time? Yeah. That sent well, him into this berserker rage and took away all his clothes. <laughs> yeah. Like, really, did he just lose at strip poker and got really mad and that's why he went <laughs> berserker? Maybe he was in the shower when they caught him. Oh, he was oh, getting he had, dressed, and he had just put on one boot. And his underwear. He got his underwear, and then he put one boot on. Because yeah. everybody puts their boots on before you put your clothes on. That's how that works. Right. So are we, are we to assume, then, that his, legging, his leggings are only leggings? Well, no. He, the, those are just pants. Right. This is and then he would put the underwear on over his pants, right? Like Superman style, right? Yeah. Well, I, I'm saying he just put this underwear on. Oh, okay. Because you put your shoes on before you put put your pants on, right? I mean, well, one how, of them, yeah. That's how normal people do. You put one shoe on, then you put your pants on, <laughs> then you put the other shoe on. 
I thought that works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and then of course also with the with the attack, the um, which part of that's the snowstorm, which is a cool effect, but you don't really see the cyborg guys really at all. They just kind of kind of show up in the shadow, and then Wolverine kills them. Right. Which, other than reminding you that Wolverine had killed them, and then they were brought back as cyborgs, as far as the actual fight. And as far as Death Strikes Vendetta, unless we're assuming they did all the damage up front that we didn't see, there's really no reason for them to be in this story. Yeah, they're absolutely useless. Which is too bad, because I like the idea of them in general. I mean, there's there's three guys. They were Hellfire Club lackeys. Wolverine, (laughs) quote-unquote, almost killed them, or did kill them. And then they changed it, then he didn't. And they have, a, I mean, they have a serious reason to want to hunt Wolverine down because they're not human anymore, and it's his fault. Yeah. But that doesn't really get any focus on this story, other than to say, here's some other people that Wolverine pissed off. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, and it also doesn't really seem like Lady Deathstrike wants them there. Right. It's like it's her team, but she doesn't seem like she cares whether they're there or not. <laughs> right. I'll also point out that Wolverine has a belt on. Yeah, that's part of his underwear. To say, yeah, he put his underwear on, then he put his shoe on, then he put his belt on, <laughs> then he's about to put the second shoe and then his pants, and then they bursted in the door. I guess. Right. Yeah, it's pretty. It's 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 a strange comic. Um, it's also, and I'll throw this out there now, it's also a very abrupt shift for the for uncanny x-men in that the last several comics have been pretty lighthearted. Right. I mean, you had the comic before this one is kind of a solo nightcrawler story where he's kind of like an action star or something it's yeah. kind of a weird comic the two one before that are the the silliness with the beyonder right uh, and so it's a very abrupt and dark shift for for several issues in a row of kind of light silly stuff then you have this very dark, very bloody comic, which I like. I, I like too. comics like this. I like that they're not always like this, and I, but I like when they do, when they do it. But it, it was a very abrupt shift. Although then not really, because then you have this five-year-old girl that's in the middle of all of it, <laughs> which kind of makes it um, uh, funny almost too. She's our droid, big. right? In this story, she's like our, our C-3PO, R2-D2 character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty much what, that's the role she plays. Well, so, so going through a little bit, I do, I like the back, like the kind of, speaking of Star Wars, kind of the Empire uh, Death Star type backgrounds in the body shop with like the different colored lights and stuff looks really cool. Yeah, I do too. I really uh, like the title page when well, we kind of talked about that or talked about that already, but um, yeah. The the title looks really cool, and then you know, I I really dig Barry Windsor Smith's Wolverine. I think he does a good did, job of Wolverine. Really good job. Can, can we back up a little though? Yeah, I want to say a couple things. So aside from the the uh, the Voltron hat, which I mentioned, which is, it actually looks kind of cool, but it really does remind me of like a Power Rangers or a Voltron villain. Right. But I think there's a Power Rangers villain that that has a hat just like that. But awesome. uh, anyway, it, it's it's also kind of somewhat generic um, anime looking. Anyway, um, one thing, one issue I've always had is Lady Deathstrike, and I don't, I've never understood exactly why. I always feel like her fingers are too long. 
Okay. Because I feel like they're so long and thin that they don't ever look, they always look feeble to me. <laughs> and I don't, and I don't really say that as, as a joke. I mean, it just, I don't know. It just seems like the idea of, of hands with these really long, thin, but movable blades. It's not like the, the, the look Wolverine's claws that are straight and hard, you know, blades. That's what you know? she said. Yeah, there you go. Um, but the ladies, they're so, they're, they're curved and they're long. And I don't know. I always kind of felt like, I don't know. I don't really know what else you do, but I, I guess I kind of felt like that there, there had to be a better, should be a better way to, to show how powerful those were. I kind of like what they do in the movie with her. Where's more her claw <clears throat> fingernails. Yeah. And I, then I, like actual, her fingers like transmorph or whatever. Because yeah, it's her it's her whole fingers. Right. Because it's all peach, you know, I mean you know, peach, whatever, your skin color, you know. Right. The whole thing. Instead of like blades, again, like Wolverine where it's blades that come out of her skin. These are just her skin. Everything gets longer. And like so is all her skin hard? Because she's scratching things with those fingers, the skin's not breaking and coming off. Yeah, I mean it becomes it becomes blades at that point. I don't really know. <laughs> I've never really understood completely the science behind Lady Deathstrike. And then she gets this cybernetic enhancement. This kind of this magic word, yeah. where her fingers stretch and turn into little knives, and that's just how it is. I always thought they always reminded me of like more horror movie ish, like 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 a witch or a scarecrow, like an evil scarecrow. And and yeah, in in that regard, I, I know we're supposed to be really scared by that stuff. Usually, that stuff kind of makes me giggle. Um, and so there is a little bit of that in her des- original design. It's like, yeah, well, I mean, it's scary, but it's kind of silly looking too. And I agree. And I and I like her. And she is one of Wolverine's kind of main nemesis. Yeah. Is that how you pluralize nemesis? I don't know. Yeah, um, but yeah, you know, and it's funny because. I remember when when we were little reading X Men and Wolverine comics. I kind of felt the same way. Like, I don't really like her hands. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I remember that that feeling too. She gets cooler, I think. Yeah, I, I I remember that. We'll see if it happens. Powerful and cooler. I also was wondering is is she later retconned into being a mutant, or is that just in the movie? Oh, good question. Because I feel I like think I it's just in the movie. I feel like she is always more of a cyborg and that she had to be modified because she didn't have a mutant power. That's kind of the way I remember it. All right. Yeah, that may be right. I it just, in my mind, for some reason, I always kind of thought of her as a mutant. Right. Like Wolverine then got these enhancements to her. And then, of course, in the movie, they, that's what they do in the X-Men 2 or no. What is it? The Origins? Which one is she in? Oh, she's in X2, and they X- tie her into uh, Weapon X. Yeah, that's right. She is a mutant there, and so, I don't know. I just always kind of thought, but I guess it's just her association with the X-Men and Wolverine. So in my mind, I guess I just lumped her in with mutants. All right. Um, what else? Um, that was cool that uh, page 7, Lady Deathstrike. I don't want I can't remember why I wrote this. Oh, oh, I wrote, <laughs> I wrote a very hardcore. Lady D doesn't care who dies. Like she was just gonna like all these people are getting killed in harm's way. But really, yeah. the point is that in her fight with Wolverine, she feels it's a victory whether he kills her or she kills him. 
Yeah. She would either want him to die or she wants to die so she can just kind of screw all of this and get away from it. Right. And she doesn't really care which way it goes down. Which yeah. is pretty hardcore. It makes her kind of interesting, I thought. Yeah, that's a pretty hardcore statement. I was going to say, we also, on that same page, page seven, get a really cool snicked in the snow. Yeah, snow snicked. Snow snicked. I like that. I don't remember why why I connected this, but but earlier in the... I thought there was a really good line when Spiral says, when uh, when Yuriko's asking about whether she can come back to being human or something like that. And uh, Spiral basically says something like how she... Uh, here's, the, here's the quote. I'll read the whole paragraph. She says, How amusing to desire, to desire that which was never really yours, this so-called humanity, to dream of regaining it through the murder of another. I thought that was a really interesting line. The idea of Yuriko's trying to recover her her humanity to a degree because she's she's trying to get back. She wants to go back to normal once she's killed Wolverine, trying to avenge her father, and so she's trying to to seek like completion and humanity and life. But to get that, she's trying to kill somebody. Kind of a little existential for for all this, but I thought that was that was a really good line. It's kind of random. Well, now that you focus on it, why do you think she says to desire that which was never really yours? Yeah, see, I don't... Why that, is that the humanity gets, not hers? That goes back to my question why I was asking about the, the oh, mutant. okay, well... That maybe she was a mutant, and that's why she said that. But I think as the story goes in this comic, because this is page three, uh, it's clear that she's not a mutant. And so I was wondering, you know, is that kind of an, a suggestion that maybe she is? Yeah, or maybe there's leaving the door open. I don't I don't know. That's interesting. Or maybe it's just or maybe spirals basically making a judgment on her that she never had humanity. <laughs> right. Because she's spent her whole life basically trying to avenge her father or whatever, you know. Well that that will be kind of become what she becomes. Um Yeah. But yeah, that's interesting. Huh. I really like in the the, the snow it, in a way, it was a little bit irritating because it's almost kind of hard to see what's happening. But I really liked that. I thought it was a really nice effect. I thought it was cool. And it reminded me of, I can't remember if you ended up, well, if you finished this or not, but the, the FX series Fargo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember the, the, the one scene they do towards the end in the snow? That was I thought it was an amazingly shot scene. I did too. This reminded me of that because it was Uh-oh. just so well done snowstorm background. Yeah, no, I thought it was great. Yeah, they did a really good job with that. Uh, we also have a really big thing that I couldn't remember if this is the first time it's been introduced or not. Okay. And that is the mind restoration as part of the healing factor. Have they talked about that before? Uh, calling me out on my own podcast. I don't remember. I know that that becomes a big deal later. But this is kind of before Wolverine. So we literally just found out in the Alpha Flight issues, and I meant to tell you this, and when I was before we recorded, I kind of went over the summary of the Alpha Flight issues for Cameron, uh, since he wasn't on that part. Uh, we do also get that uh, those issues that that Wolverine's past is not just a mystery to the reader; it's also a mystery to him. Okay. Yeah, because that hadn't been that hasn't been clear. No, it hasn't. Suggested that a little bit here and there. Right, but. right. They they've teased it, but they they finally came out and said it. 
well, then this doesn't really fit that very well. <laughs> right. And immediately he's talking about how his memories, because the, the idea is that he's hurt so badly, he loses his memory of even who he is. He just becomes animal. Right. Which is why he scares Katie, why she, he doesn't remember Katie at the moment. But then after a few minutes, he heals a little bit and he tells her, you know, he says that his brain is regenerating. Healing factors. So he's re- now he remembers how to speak English because he's speaking in Japanese. Well, I'm wondering if it's not. I wonder if it's less of him like rebuilding memories as rebuilding like brain function. Yeah, like function, like I, to overcome I, instinct, to reason. Yeah, maybe um, that's maybe that's more it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but I thought that was interesting because you know that'll be a big thing later. Yes, it will that they'll talk about is again the mind healing. Right. And so I was wondering, I, I couldn't remember if this, I think it's the first time they've ever talked, said anything about it. it. It could be. I can't remember if they talked about that during some of the mind control villain issues or not. You're supposed to know that Jason. I know. Sorry. I, I had dreams of keeping this like big spreadsheet <laughs> with all this kind of stuff. But then I realized there's so many little things yeah, that I can never like, actually do it i don't know that's for someone else not me if anyone wants to volunteer to be the podcast historian you go right ahead and do it that'd be a great job for somebody yeah i will pay you in high fives possibly only via twitter but and you can even post it on your site yeah I mean, kind of famous yeah i can definitely do that um i like that wolverine doesn't want katie to kill she talks about how she's gonna kill those guys she's gonna launch a big energizer power. I don't fully understand her power, but that she evaporates stuff and then gives her power. And then she, yeah. Goes, so she like absorbs, I guess, matter, matter or energy or whatever. And then she can turn it into explosive stuff. But she, she says she's going to kill those guys and Wolverine doesn't want her to kill. Basically he's like, that's, that's for me to do. <laughs> right. Which is a very Wolverine thing to do. It's like, I've, I'm my, my hands are already bloody, so keep yours clean. You know, that's a running theme with Wolverine. Yeah. All well, the way. You know, and plus you're five. And and she's five, yeah. And he has her go and cover her ears. I thought while, that was actually really cool. Yeah, I thought so too. Cover her eyes and ears and, and hide from all this scariness. Yeah. Can we get a lot, a lot more awesome snicks? We have one on 11, 12, and 14. And just another some really cool snicks. I also really like on page thirteen where, where Wolverine howls at the snow. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, they, it's it's pretty cool. And then and, you know, then Lady Deathstrike, and then this is and then the two. This is where the other guys get weird. Or wasn't there three guys? There were at one point. Yeah, in the beginning there was three. Oh, and here there, and then I guess the. Other guy died in the fight early on. Well, and one of them gets stabbed in the stomach here on page fourteen. Right, but that there's in the original thing there are three guys yeah. standing. There's Reese, Cole, one, and there's only two. Huh. There's two guys in Lady Deathstrike. Even in the scene where they're they're all three walking the panel, it's Lady Deathstrike and two guys. So I guess like you know, back to your idea about more happening off the panels than than actually on them. I guess that guy died early on. Yeah, or at least got taken out of the fight. Or he's just somewhere else, I don't know. But yeah, Wolverine, 
he very quickly defeats those guys, which is kind of interesting that they came back only to be killed so quickly. <laughs> and then Death Strike basically tells them, I don't really care if you stay or go. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't need you here. She, he Not kills your them. fight. I do like, though, also, we get a clearer shot of Death Strike, and this is also, besides their first appearance with the finger claws, it's also the first appearance in her classic Death Strike costume. Yeah. Then she'll keep around for a long time. Yep. Because in her first <laughs> appearance, without the fingers and without, her suit was, like, purple and blue. She kind of looked like a, a Cobra Ninja. Yeah, it does look like that. But this is the red and brown that we are more accustomed to. And I never really understood why she had this body armor with a massive cleavage. Yeah, it seems kind of silly to leave really the most dangerous part of your body completely. Right. But, and made, body armor, but I'm only going to cover it on my arms. Right. <laughs> and, and back when Mark's, and when we were reading a Mark Silvestri and Jim Lee were drawing, it made me really confused. Because here's this girl with, like, boobs hanging out with these nasty-ass fingers. It's like, yeah. am I supposed to think she's hot or not? I don't know. <laughs> You're supposed to be confused. Yeah. And, you know, 13-year-old Jason didn't, he didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so we get a long, a long fight. And it's a good, it's a good fight. I, I, I'm sorry that I said it was short earlier. I don't That's know why. Right. I don't know why I thought that. Because it's a, I mean, it's not just like long, but it's long and, and pretty good, I think. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of oh, dialogue. It, it, yeah, it is, and it does end abruptly. Well, you but feel like got, they're kind of going like check for check, and then suddenly, in an awesome panel, an awesome bloody panel of a close-up yeah, on Wolverine's face. Very it's, bloody. Even for '86, by this point, this is still pretty bloody. Yeah, it's like he just goes rocky, and he's like, "Nope, this is done. I'm going to end it." Yeah. And he basically cuts her all the way up. Like, all her stuff comes off. You see how robotic she is. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, she begs for death. Like, then suddenly, like, there's a tube in her nose for no reason. I don't really know. <laughs> where that came from. I, I guess, I don't really know. Because when she was walking around, she just had a normal face. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know if she goes back to being so digitally. Yeah. Or not digitally mechanical um i thought two two things i wanted to mention as far as comments in here one is i like i really like the last line of of the of the fight not of the whole comic but of the fight yeah. she's on the ground begging him to just go ahead and kill her because she's failed she hasn't recovered her father's honor and so she basically begs for him to kill her and he says no. Oh no! We get the great line where he says, "Earn it." Yeah, and then with a snap, as he pulls his closet. That that is an awesome panel. Which is a great. You're not even worth me killing. You haven't even earned the right to be murdered by me. I yeah. think that's, that's really cool. Even though it would save me a huge pain in the ass for years to come. Yeah, it does. You know, the question: if you're going to kill people, you know kill people anyway um that's good i also thought there's a line where where he's talking to her and he's upset about how this is right after he discovers that she's all cybernetic and everything and he says this line 
about her asking to be changed. Now, he didn't ask to be changed. They did it to him. She asked to be changed, and he says that Lady Deathstrike, quote, threw away a humanity I'd give pretty near anything to possess. And I feel like I feel like that's a problematic phrase for Wolverine to say. I get the gist of what he's saying. I don't know if it's as well written as it could be. Yeah. I think what he's trying to say is I would rather be my original self, have all my memories back, know exactly where my life was, not have gone through Weapon X, like all that stuff. Right. But yeah, but then when he says the humanity, unless he's just saying that, I don't really know. I don't really know what Claremont's trying to say. In there. the context of the last many issues that we've talked about, in the context of the X Men, it makes it sound like he's saying he wish he wasn't a mutant. It that does kind of a normal person, but that's problematic. Also, it's not like Yuriko ever really had that much humanity because she's been a, uh, you know, in a bent on killing people for a long time, you know? So it's not like she was this innocent person. She'd already lost that. Just like, cause earlier spiral says about how she never even had that humanity. You know, she's been a killer. She's trying to kill people. And so it's an interesting, it's a mixed message a little bit, but I agree with you. I think his point is I would have rather not been made into an animal and a weapon and all that. But it, it sounds like he's saying more. Yeah. Well, and so you bring up a good point that I hadn't really thought about. So when you kind of bookend this story, it's obvious then that, that Claremont has some idea he's trying to say about humanity. Yeah. And I, generally speaking, back in these days, really like Claremont. Yeah. But I'm not sure if I get his point in this issue. Yeah. Maybe I'm just not smart enough, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not real sure what he's like actually saying about humanity, saying that Deathstrike never had it when really she hasn't been that bad for that long. I mean, yeah, she was under her father's thumb for her whole life. Right. And when she finally broke free and, and helped bring about his downfall, then she regretted it. <laughs> and so She's not her own person, for sure. Right. Uh, never has been, in that regard. And I guess maybe that's what Spider-Woman meant. Maybe this is about about humanity. Maybe Claremont saying that, that true humanity is finding yourself and being your own human, and that these two characters have had that stripped away from them. Yeah. And that Wolverine has decided, though, instead of... He's trying to recover the humanity. Right. Through what he through being a good guy, basically, Lady Deathstrike is more th- throwing it away even more. Right, I guess. she's moving further and further away from being her own person. Yeah. Not only by kind of the narrow focus of her vision, but by trading her physical humanity away as well. Yeah. So yeah, all right, I guess we I guess we cracked that nut after all. Good so, job, good job, Cameron. Uh, I also wanted to mention that on the the panel where he's walking away from her. His claws are way longer than 12 inches. <laughs> Wait a second. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you listen to that. Uh, yeah. Don't yeah. remind me then. That is the first time that's like. I think so. Okay. I, I can't. I can't think yeah. of any other time ever when there's I been. I can't any either. Yeah. I think... Except 
be in like a trading card or something. But, right. You know, and that's it, why I kind of felt like that Gruenwald was doing. For those of yeah. you who, ha- who haven't listened to the last episode uh, where Wolverine shows up in Captain America, uh, the writer does a whole lot of kind of unnecessarily filling in. Like, I think I refer to it as like Wolverine's file card. Yeah, yeah, you made some good G.I. Joe parallels with it. I thought were good. Yeah. I agree with John that, that it made a lot more sense. It makes a lot of sense in kind of the, the G.I. Joe army context. Right. But in X-Men, it's a little it's a little more, it's a little stranger. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially one of, one of the a- appealing things about Wolverine and, and seeing different people do him is there's a lot of liberty with how people draw his claws. And there's yeah. some that I like a lot more than others, but people are kind of free to do their own interpretation. And when you nail it down to something like that, then yeah, this does look too long. Especially when, and, and I think yeah, I think you guys basically said this too, but especially when you're a guest writer, right? When you're not on a you know you're on a long Wolverine X Men run or something, so you're you're really making some some serious points about Wolverine. Right. But you're a guy that does Wolverine once, first time you've ever done it, and so you throw all this really specific stuff in there. <laughs> right. Like, I'm going to be the guy that hammers all this out. Right. Screw you, Claremont. You had your chance. You had your chance to say how long his claws were for like 10 years, and you haven't done it yet, so here I go. We need answers, Claremont. Answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird, because it's like he, he had to know that it's all going to retconned it's like you're not the guy you're not claremont so right yeah yeah. you're not mr wolverine i can only assume now that uh gruenwald in his office at marvel had a dartboard with claremont's face in the bullseye yeah maybe so three darts at it all day long and in that note i'm gonna say that since this was probably after maybe that that captain america comic that this panel here was specifically done <laughs> to show that they are longer than one foot. So Claremont told um, Barry Windsor Smith. Uh, told Barry Windsor Smith, "You do at least one panel where you rub that, you rub it in that guy's nose. <laughs> you rub his nose in it that these are not one foot claws." Right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think we. It made this pretty clear, but um, the art on this is really great. And this, of course, by the way, is Barry Windsor Smith's first time to really tackle Wolverine. Yeah. He's done a couple of issues of Uncanny before this. One of them had kind of a dream sequence with Wolverine in it, but doesn't really count. <laughs> but this right. is his first time to really sink his, his pencils or his teeth into Wolverine. It, it pays off well. He straight up nails it. Yeah, this, he does. The the one Wolverine boot and one barefoot, especially at the end, where it's really noticeable, it's kind of silly looking. But other than that... The fact that Wolverine's inexplicably mostly naked <laughs> is strange, but the, it's cool. the art is cool. The choice is strange. Yeah. Like it's but, drawn, drawn very well. Yes, yeah, very, very well. So as far as the story, I thought that Katie was a little bit annoying at times, especially at the beginning. What five-year-old isn't annoying at times? Well, exactly. So <laughs> it's true to character. What I don't know, though, is that she talks so much like an adult in her first little inner monologue. 
And I'm not sure how five-year-old that is. <laughs> well, Chris Claremont's not five. No, he's not. I think they, you know, they. if you could read the mind of a five-year-old, I think it would just be gibberish. <laughs> of all kinds of firing on all cylinders. Right, right. <laughs> like a dog on Up. Yeah. <laughs> the movie Up. Squirrel. Squirrel. <laughs> Yeah, no, I actually thought that too. I, I that that's a one thing that I find irritating on uh, on TV shows is when you have kid characters who writers have them deliberately talk like adults, right? To to say a bunch of jokes that are really kind of for the adults, right? But it's like this: kids don't think like that, or talk like that, or have know any of these references, or right. make these. It made me think of that. Now, granted, I don't want baby talk. No, and it's, I don't, it's not too bad. I was going to say. No, I, it's like really said, only in the beginning. Yeah. And even then, like I said, you know, my son who's six, I had this exact same conversation with him. I mean, the other right. day he was talking about how he said, I'm not a baby. I want to be a big boy. I should be able to do these things. And so it was, it, I think it, he does a good job with it. I mean. I mean, the, the only I think it, it sounds like an adult because it's it's written. I mean, all the words are written correctly, and and you're reading it in your head. Right. You, if you took those same words and you just you know mixed up some of the vowels and dropped a few consonants here and there, like a real regular five year old. Yeah. I think it probably would would sound good. I think the one that really bugged me was the hand dryer one, where he she's like, I want to dry my hands. But the stupid machine's too high. Yeah. And it was very, in her mind, very enunciated. Like, well, I really want to do this, but I can't. And this is why I can't do it. Instead of just going, oh, my hands are wet. Ah! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's, it's, again, we get to uh, the the classic overwordiness of of comic books. Yeah, and and Claremont in particular, yeah. Yeah, well, because the idea that, that she has this whole thought, oh, I want to drive my hands, but the stupid machine's too high. Nowadays, you'd have that same panel, and it would say, oh, stupid machine. <laughs> All you need is just a hand dryer. She was just washing her hands. You don't really need right. them to spell that whole thing or, out. Or they would just show her in the art reaching up and not be able to reach it, and you would know why. Yeah, and you, you'd get that. But but the comic books, and especially Claremont, you know, over-explained everything. It's just kind of... <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know if the if it's a, if there's a. I wonder if you could make an argument for uh, comic book writers being deliberately patronizing back then, or if it was just the style. I think it's just the style. I I or, think, I think part of it is they all kind of none none of the Marvel apples fell too far from the Stanley tree. <laughs> Even though a lot of the writers are much better than we. There's certain characteristics, certain a certain tone that Marvel had that kind of everybody did to to various degrees. Because Claremont is not as bad as like Bill Mantlo or um, yeah, who literally like will draw a panel and like a, a rock will be crushing someone and they'll be like, "Oh no, this rock is crushing me." <laughs> Thanks, I. I literally see exactly what you're telling me. And and to be fair, Claremont does that from time to time. I feel like, because I've been reading, um, and I shared with Cameron, and I think I've talked about it on the podcast before, to get some of the Alpha Flight issues I needed for the podcast, the easiest way for me to do that 
was I found a big bulk of Alpha Flight, like from one to like seventy that I got super dirt cheap. And um so I've been reading most of them along kind of parallel. And after Mantlo takes over from John Byrne, like he there's gotta be like a thousand words for issue, like easy. <laughs> like it's just everything, every panel is just full of thought balloons and, and dialogue and he makes he makes Claremont look like he, he doesn't know any words. <laughs> That's funny. I wonder if And Jim Shooter when he writes is just as bad like so Claremont is a man of his times, and, and he does get a little carried away, but he's not the worst. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's, I'm sure he's not. I wonder if there's a, if there's a thought that, that part of the idea is that it's, it's like um, the writing and the art are kind of overlapping in that in the old days, the art wasn't that good. And it wasn't that crisp because of the technology and the way it was done. And so you kind of had to explain a lot to say what's happening here. Whereas, you know, nowadays art is a lot more elaborate and, you know, the technology, it's a lot clearer. The colors are sharper. I think artists just got a lot better. And so you still have kind of the holdover of the need to explain things because art wasn't as well defined. I don't want to say good or bad, but just not as, as clear. So here we've kind of moved to where the art is now in in the direction of being where you can look at the panels and you don't really need a lot of the text because you can tell what's happening everywhere. Um, But you still have people over explaining it. And then they did the enough said series and everybody was like, Hey, we don't need to write so much. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. Um, I feel like John Byrne as an example of, of an older artist was had pretty clear visual storytelling. I'm in like like early sixties, like oh, old. yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's just a thought. I think also I think some of it ties back to Stanley's overarching philosophy that I think was still alive to some degree in the eighties, though not as bad. But that treat every comic like it, it, a new reader is the first comic. So you yeah. have to do your best to explain everything where you can. And sometimes that means over-explaining stuff during action that maybe doesn't need it. But also, I'm, I'm just assuming all these guys got paid by the word. <laughs> yeah. Gotta that's, be. that's probably not true. That's probably just me being bitter. But um, Writers and editors had a whole monopoly on the comic book industry. Right, right. No, I don't know. But um, overall, I thought the story was good. Um, kind of go back to, to some, of the, some of the disappointments for me are what we didn't see. And cause I feel like there's a whole fight between Wolverine and, and the, the lady Deathstrike and the cyborgs that we just missed where he got all tattered and, and went berserk and we don't, we don't know what happened. And you know, there's a writing style that's super common today. That's kind of the Pulp Fiction-y thing. I would, I would call it where you start in the middle of a fight or at the end of a fight and you, kind of go back and forth between going forwards and going backwards. And yeah. you kind of fill in the gaps. And even if you don't fill in all the gaps, it's not too bad. I guess I guess the thing that bothered me the most about it is that A, where we left Lady Deathstrike and where we pick up with her now, I feel like there's like all this time and motivation and stuff that is just completely missed. And yeah. part of that is it's two different writers and two different series, and maybe they just weren't in sync. But I also feel like 
if this is a no-name villain that kind of comes and goes, then if we miss their first, like, real fight, then it doesn't really matter. But since yeah. Deathstrike is kind of one of Wolverine's main villains, particularly one of his main solo villains, and to know that there was probably a fight that happened with the first time she had her claws, and then we kind of got robbed of it, I, you kind of feel like you got cheated a little bit. Yeah. Knowing who she will be. And and maybe it's not fair to judge it on that, but I can't really help it. Yeah, it's it's kind of strange. I don't know. The whole pacing of the comic just seems a little... Like, visually, it's perfect. Everything visual. There's nothing wrong with the art anywhere, I don't think, other than, like I said, some of the choices on the costume <laughs> or lack of. But other yeah. than that, it's, I mean, it's visually a pretty damn perfect issue. Um, yeah, I agree. But the story just seems super... It seems like Claremont trying something new because yeah. it's not like him to intentionally leave out a lot of details and a lot of scenes. I'm just not sure it's really his cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a good way to think yeah. of it. Maybe some other writers could have handled <clears throat> that kind of story a little better. But, yeah, overall, it was enjoyable. Um, so what do you think of... Well, let's grade the comic, and then we'll talk real briefly about overall uh, thoughts. Yeah, I am. I actually really like the comic. Okay. Uh, in there. I, I was... I was thinking both. It's just really good. Aside from you know a lot of the stuff you mentioned, Ed, especially kind of the Katie parts, it's okay. It's a tad cheesy, but I think it works. Right. And then all the stuff you missed. I also thought that as a reader at the time, I would think for most people this would have been a very exciting change of pace. And I and I said this already, but the whole thing about there being you know kind of a lot of silly issues in a row, and then you get to something really serious. But just it's just so it's so gritty and and intense, even with Katie and kind of the weirdness that she's doing, or not the weirdness, but kind of the annoying nature of a five year old kid. Even that doesn't take away from most of of this just being a pretty intense issue, right? And so I thought, you know, not not only is it really good, but I just think as as a reader would be, wow, this is an interesting direction. And even though, like you said, Chris Claremont doesn't quite nail it, but it's still definitely cool. I mean, it does definitely, it's good to try new things when they work out. Still better than what you see in a lot of other comics, I think. So for me, I want to say five out of six. Okay. Yeah, I teetered between four and five, really kind of wrestling with what wasn't there as opposed to what was there. And kind of feeling confused. I kind of felt like I'd be interested to know if anyone else has the experience and can and can lend an opinion. If you read everything, like like all the the appearances of Spiral and stuff like that, does that make the beginning of this make more sense, or does it just not really line up? And that's a question that I can't answer. Yeah, that's I, a good I haven't read enough of her character, especially as far as the. Like I said, the long shot stuff I never read. So I don't know. The, 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 and the fact that Claremont doesn't say, hey, because here's what he would normally do. This, this is what Claremont would nine times out of ten when would start the issue off like this. The body shop. A shop ran by Spiral. Uh, a mutant who works for Mojo. Or whatever she does. You know? Yeah. Like he would, he would break down why, why we're here, where we are. 
you know, and he doesn't do that, which, you know, and that's kind of the, the give and take of Claremont. On the one yeah. hand, you say, I don't want that all the time, but then you get a story like this and you don't get it. And if you don't already know the character, it's kind of confusing. <laughs> yeah, it is a little so confusing. So I, I, I want it both ways, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I do think, though, that it, it's not, un, it's, it's confusing because I don't quite know. But it doesn't really it, matter, I guess. Yeah, it's it's pretty reasonable. Like, it's not like... I mean, you know what's like happening. happening. Yeah, it's not like something's happening and you're like, what is going on here? I've never seen anything like this. It's just, right. you know, it's the kind of stuff that happens. Yeah. It just seems like a reasonable thing that, that here's a person that makes people cybernetic. I don't really know why, but okay. <laughs> and, and, you know, as a reader, you could assume, well, maybe we'll come back to this and figure right. out why she did this later. I don't know if they do or not, but they, yeah, they will. This this that whole body shop thing will eventually spoil. Extra spoiler alert for a spoiler podcast. The body shop will eventually lead to the Reavers. Oh, that's right. I I, I uh, yeah, I, I remember that. And there's kind of some similar look to that, so that makes yes. sense. Yeah, totally. But yeah, but in the end, though, I thought the art was too good, and the story was good enough, and I also settled on five out of six claws all right so oh you know what i just noticed what's that there's no uncanny on the cover it just says x-men it does just say x-men i never noticed that i mean i get, i probably did at some point and forgot but interesting it's kind of struck out at me all right well before i let you go cameron uh since this this anniversary episode is celebrating the arrival of Lady Deathstrike. What do you think of Lady Deathstrike overall as far as her... Because this is... We had her debut in Alpha Flight, but this is the debut of the Lady Deathstrike we know and love. So do you think it's a good quasi-pseudo first appearance? Um, yeah. I, I think you don't really get from this that she's going to be a major character. Because in this, she kind of seems lame. <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, it's a cool story, a cool character, but but as a as an individual character, you don't get the idea that she's going to be a major villain because Wolverine easily defeats her. But then again, she they destroy him early on, and he's an animal. And so, like you said, the, what we don't see is the <laughs> the fight. She's successful, right? And so we just see the end of that fight where she becomes kind of pathetic and destroyed and. And so, yeah, I, I, I like her in the comic. I don't really get the, you don't get the impression that, that she's going to stick around much. But then again, he leaves her alive. And so you got to assume probably she's going to be back. Well, here's, yeah, here's kind of, and this is another thing that we kind of missed that would maybe help make this stronger. Because after her first fight, she comes to the body shop and says, I need to upgrade. And when you, if you spell that out a little bit more, which they don't at all on this issue, explain that this is her like coming in defeated, looking for an edge. Right. In fact, that kind of goes back to me originally, because those Alpha Flight issues were her, with her actual first appearances, Lady Death Strike. Like doing it for the podcast is the first time I've ever read that. So <laughs> from my reading as a youngster chronologically, this. And I never read the Daredevil stuff either. This is my first ever exposure to Lady Deathstrike. Yeah. And so you don't really get the idea that she came in here for an upgrade. But when you learn that that's kind of, that she's already been defeated once, 
and then she came and, and became a cyborg, then you can assume when she asks for death and Wolverine doesn't grant her that death and she says, well, our roads are always tied together, then she's going to go back to the body shop and say, hey, that didn't get the job done. We need to, we need to upgrade again. So you get the idea that what the body shop can offer her is that whenever she loses, they'll just kind of tweak it until she gets it right. And so in that regard, you kind of, that kind of definitely leaves the door open for an expectation of a return. And so you kind of, kind of get the feeling that you haven't seen the last of her. Right. You don't really get the feeling that she's going to be the major villain that she is. No. But you do, you you do. She's coming back. I mean, that, that, the line you reference there where she says the thread that binds us can only be broken broken by death is a good line and it's pretty clear that one of us has got to die right so you know me or you he won't <laughs> give it he won't he's not going to make it it's not going to be her because he won't kill her so she's going to be back yeah so overall I, I thought this was a pretty pretty satisfactory if not somewhat unexplained good first appearance <laughs> Yeah, that's a good way to good way to put it. All right, well, cool. Well, Cameron, thank you so much for for participating in our our third anniversary show. No problem. I always enjoy having you on, and so I, it was good to kind of get both of you on this episode, even though we couldn't make it work together. But that's yeah, okay. Too bad. Someday we'll reunite y'all like we did on the Wolverine miniseries. Yeah, there we go. That'll be great. Yeah. Well, hey, before I, I switch over and do my regular outro, do you have anything you want to plug before I let you go? Um, my podcast is finally back. Yay! Uh, it was a uh, very good episode, by the way. Thanks. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, I did. We yeah, I had the guy on. I think he mentioned you were hoping to do this Yeah. last time. But he had the guy on that wrote the book that led to the, the turn series on AMC. Yeah. He's a producer on the series too. So yeah, I, I wasn't aware of that until y'all started talking about that. So. I didn't know it either until I started talking to him. Or I think I saw it before, uh, right before I interviewed him. But yeah, mm-hmm. he was really cool. So that's a good interview. That's up. I have another one that I'm going to start editing soon. Um, the the most exciting thing I have to plug in late September, September 23rd, I believe it is. Um, we have another live event planned. Oh, nice. What are y'all doing? Uh, we're going to do Saving Private Ryan. Is it going to be at the Draft House again? Yep, Alamo Draft House in Richardson. So if you're in the DFW area, uh, be on the lookout for that. I don't know how many showings they're doing. I think just one. They're doing September. So they're doing all Steven Spielberg movies in September. Okay, cool. And so for this one, we're going to do a panel. It won't be that long of a panel because it's a long movie. Yeah, it's pretty long. But yeah, I'm, I'm still getting my panel together. But as far as I know, that is pretty much set so we'll be doing that september 23rd awesome. so if you're in the area and you're interested yeah jason came to the last one we did so he'll probably be there yeah i'm assuming unless i just can't i will because the last one was really fun they did a yeah. v for vendetta so. yeah that was good which that also live recording of that is on was a i put that into a podcast and i'll do the same thing here i'll record it and so yeah. after the event i'll put the podcast the, the uh, panel not the whole movie just not the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> Any of the listeners just panicked. <laughs> yeah, no bootleg a four action. Four-hour podcast. Yeah, no, no, just straight whatever our thirty minutes or so. Anyway, that's pretty much it. Cool. All right, what's your uh, Twitter? Oh, at Cameron Sinclair. 
or extra banter, either one. Awesome. All right. And with that, we celebrate three years of the podcast that go snicked. Three years of being in your ear holes. I hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see. Maybe we'll do three more. Who knows? Before I, I close it out, first of all, thank you again to uh, Denise and Cameron for being on this episode. They are both um, a super important and special part of the podcast to me. And I was really glad I was able to get them on for this uh, milestone episode, if you will. And it's just, just a lot of fun. Always always enjoy talking to those fools. <laughs> um, yeah, so before I move on to our, our completely close out the episode, I did want to address something that one of our longtime fans brought up. Pat had posted something on Facebook, and you may remember Pat from some previous flashback episodes, and this is in regards specifically to the flashback format. Um, he, like I sometimes... It's kind of in a hurry for us to get to the uh, the Wolverine solo series, and I don't necessarily blame him. And he had a lot of other good points that went with that as well. Kind of, you know, when we get there, we'll be a little more of our own niche because especially the, the X-Men stuff we're covering, there's a, other podcasts that also either have or will be covering some of those issues as well. And why I think we have... A unique spin on the issues with our unique sense of humor here at the podcast that goes next. And just kind of the way we interpret the issues. I do agree that there's definitely some uh, duplicate content. Which, you know, and one of the things I even talked about with Pat the last time he was on. I don't get tired of all the different shows. And I feel like we all bring something different. So that's not really as much of an issue. But I, I, I do agree with Pat to a degree that... um. Well, I know I just I agree with them. I'm I'm ready to get into the the solo series, and it's taking a little bit longer than I originally planned for us to get there. And part of it is I've definitely slowed down the flashback pace uh, this year in particular, um, just because I had to schedule wise to kind of you know I wanted this year to get a lot of different guests on, and to do that meant breaking some of the stuff into smaller chunks. And, you know, as whereas before, you know, if you remember during year two of the podcast a little bit, there were several episodes where, where Cameron and I would do six, sometimes more issues of, of Uncanny X-Men. And um, I enjoyed that. It was fun. But I, I definitely have made a conscious decision this year to slow things down a little bit, not necessarily for content, but for uh, the people I wanted to, to do the shows with and to give more people a chance to have more appearances. So I just kind of wanted to throw it out there, um, see what the listeners, what you guys thought. Would you rather me, until we get to that point, to say maybe Marvel Comics Presents 1, which is actually, we get that for a while before we get the actual Wolverine series. Would you rather me go back to more kind of in-bulk episodes on the flashbacks? Or do you all prefer kind of spreading it out or do you want a mixture of both i know there's some episodes coming up where we have quite a few issues that we'll cover in those episodes and then we have some more that are one or two issues that i have planned right now and i could change some of that based on demand i mean at the end of the day <laughs> i have to make the schedule work the way i can make it work to get the shows out but um, but I would definitely be interested in hearing what everybody else thinks about 
that whether you would rather whether you would rather see me accelerate and cover more faster. I'm not going to skip anything. Pat had suggested that maybe though he I don't know if he really how much he really wanted me to, but that maybe just kind of skipping ahead to to get to some of the more Wolverine centric stuff, or you know, focusing on the stories that actually you know, like we did. So Uncanny 205, I think, would definitely make his list <laughs> of stuff that we would have to cover on this show. But personally, I'm I'm, I'm not gonna skip anything. Uh, I know there's some stuff that's not unique to Wolverine that it's just regular X-Men stories or whatnot that have him in there his role is big or small depending on the story but one of the things I wanted to do in the flashback was at least touch on all of his appearances when we start you know we did the first flashback way back in episode 10 the first time Cameron was on with uh, Wolverine's first appearance and I don't have all of his appearances some of them I have in reprints some of them I don't have at all and just don't have access to. And I, I've i mentioned a few of those before. Uh, case in point, the Dazzler graphic novel, which I'm just... The only way I would ever get that is if it was the last Wolverine appearance I was missing. <laughs> but I did, though, even though I don't have it, I did mention it on the show a little bit and talk about it. And so I, I'm going to continue that trend of trying to at least mention all of his appearances through the flashbacks until... You know, if we do this long enough, one day we would, I guess, catch up to real time and there wouldn't be any flashbacks left anymore. But um, but that doesn't mean that I have to spend as much time on all those issues. So if you want your voice to be heard, if you want to weigh in, if you want to have an opinion, let me know. And I will definitely take those into consideration as far as the pace of the show, um, as far as how much we cover at a time. That is definitely open to uh, debate and open to you guys having a say. Um, and I will accommodate that, you know, the best I can, depending on what, what everybody feels about it. So just wanted to throw that out there. I really appreciate the input, Pat. I always like hearing everyone's ideas about the show. And, you know, even if we end up not going with your idea or anybody's idea, I still like hearing them. I like having the conversation and... You know, it's and it keeps me honest, <laughs> making sure the podcast is what what everybody wants to hear, and not just me indulging myself. Which honestly, that's what it is a lot of the times. But I'm glad that other people also enjoy it, and I want to try my best to keep it that way. So that said, again, yay for three years, and um, yeah, plugs for myself. Uh, Leave a review on iTunes if you so choose. Like the Facebook page. Twitter is at SnickCast. Uh, show notes and stuff is snickcast.podbean.com. So until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye. <laughs>